It's noon. It's Saturday. I went by the door for Mr. Beverly Hills. He said he was going to be come, come up, come visit, go to House of Pizza, Thug and Bug, <laughs> Hand and Bait in St. Cloud for the afternoon. There's no Mr. Hills. I'm totally lost. I'm totally in a daze. I haven't heard nothing from him. Ring, ring. Wait, well, my ring, phone, ring. Ringing. I should answer. Hello? Oh, oh Beverly. Dirty dog. Yeah, Beverly, where are you? Let me tell you something, brother. I'm in the middle of a blizzard, the blizzard of the century, but I can still do it. I can still talk 2015. Let's do it, brother. Hey, dirty dog, I hear you calling. I think it's time for the show. The sleep hold has got me confused, but maybe here we go. Mr. Hills and the dog from Maine, event status radio. They're recording again. <laughs> Bagels and biceps all over my screen. What are we supposed to do? Recorded live in 2015. And recorded live in the middle of a Minnesota blizzard storm. This is Main Event Status Radio. I am the Dirty Dog Darcy. And joined to review 2015, recap 2015, and tell about all the things that were dirty and clean in professional wrestling in 2015. Good, bad, new school and old school is my broadcast partner, my podcast partner, the only guy that a dog, a dirty dog would want. Representing the area code 90210 is Mr. Beverly Hills. Beverly, how's the snowstorm? Oh, it sucks, dude. To be honest, like I was really angry when Mrs. Beverly Hills yesterday, as we were uh, at Christmas with my, at my sister's house and thinking about coming home, she was just saying, oh, I don't know about your trip tomorrow. Look like it's going to be quite a snowstorm and then i said well let's just hold off that because that really makes me sad but at about 12 30 i had to uh, you know you heard the dramatic reenactment of me calling mr dirty dog but that was about that was a, a pretty good approximation of the text i had to send it to tell him i wasn't coming yeah because uh, like we were talking uh, off air listeners about one o'clock last night in the morning I laid down to go to bed after Christmas was like, I need some sleep. I took some my so melatonin, took some uh, sleep quill. Like, okay, I need, you know, I'm laying down. I'm excited knowing me. I probably won't be able to fall asleep right away. The moment, so approach the moment I covered up myself up with my blankets, laid my head on my pillow. I heard my phone, my phone on my carpeted floor. Buzz, buzz. <laughs> I'm like, who the heck is texting You're me at one o'clock in the morning? Most people, yeah. like most people I talk to, that's not my coworkers are in bed already. Check my phone. It was Mr. Beverly Hills, and so here we are. Yeah, so here we are over the podcast waves as usual. So just because I am talking to you and we are both safe, <laughs> I am opening up my mellow yellow for the podcast. Well, that is the true main event that we are both still, you know. Both are still alive. That's Both. literally stuck in a blizzard. <laughs> we are styling and woo, profiling. 
think of it, Mr. Beverly Hills. Since you know I have a soft spot in my heart for Steve Mongo McMichael. Oh, gosh. Okay. He was on Woo Nation with Ric Flair this past week. Okay, and how was he? I loved it. I... It was fun to hear some uh, road stories with him and Ric Flair from back in the day. God. I hope they all involve Pepe. Sadly enough, you did not bring up Pepe not even once. That's super disappointing to me. But if you guys (laughs) want to hear a fun podcast with Steve Munger McMichael, since you guys know over this past year when we visited WCW 1996, I fell in love with Steve Munger McMichael. I thought that was a good podcast to listen to. (laughs) <laughs> but that's just me. So we're here like we did last year to recap and review the year that was 2015, Mr. Beverly Hills. Yes, sir. And we are doing something a little bit different than what we did last year. Instead of we instead of going month to month with the, like the main storylines and feuds like we outlined last year, we're doing something a little bit different. And what is this? What is this something different that we're doing for this year? Well, I mean, just between us, we came up with, gosh, I don't even know what the full number is, something around 10 uh, of the top kind of stories, themes, uh, intertwining threads that have went through 2015, both in WWE and kind of around the periphery. They really are the center of the universe as one of the talking points we'll get to they they really are and and uh so if if you're a big you know fan of, of another organization of some sort well i don't know can't do much more here <laughs> yeah this is pretty much the talking points that we feel comfortable that we have yeah. knowledge about so yeah, instead right. of you know like instead of like what we did last year some you know bullet points from month to month with different feuds. There wasn't really much for us to talk about other than, right. okay, this happened. Okay, let's yeah. move on. So, it's true. It's true. We kind of did time on. This should engender some more discussion, I'd say. Yeah, so let's, let's get to our first bullet point for the podcast, and that is WrestleMania. That it was uh, happening in Levi Stadium outside of, uh, what, what was it, San Diego, California? San Francisco. San, San Francisco. Cl- Santa Clara is the is the exact city that it's in, but San Francisco 49ers play at it. We can call it San Francisco. Okay, that I felt like this was, well, I haven't watched it since it happened live. So if you guys want more of my crystal clear ideas and thoughts, we did a special cast. Beverly and I broke it down for an hour. I had Lucas, the screen girl, and Ferran Derry from Pro Wrestling Weekly on for the second hour talking it, talking it, but... The memories I have of WrestleMania that I still hold in my heart right now, Mr. Beverly Hills, as we do this podcast is, I felt like having it ha- happening in an outdoor stadium gave it a, in, on the West Coast, gave it a very unique feel. At times, it reminded me a lot of WrestleMania 9 when they held it in a parking lot at in Las Vegas. <laughs> sure, it has similarities in being in the Western time zone, but it's going to... It had, I like the time of the day, the fact that it doesn't get, you know, dark until very late uh, in in the show. So it's kind of like an afternoon WrestleMania, which hasn't happened in a while. Um, yeah, the feeling was interesting. I mean, my, my takeaway, obviously, is one word. T- 
tank. <laughs> I, I don't think it really much can get past that fact because that's about the most amazing entrance uh, that I've ever seen. Truly. Yes, yeah, so I was thinking about thinking about you know that WrestleMania was added to the to the outline for today. I was thinking, okay, what things do I really remember? You know, you said you mentioned the tank. <laughs> I yep. remember the Triple H. Uh, Terminator entrance, which I <laughs> loved when it happened live. I really liked the yeah. uh, Bray Wyatt Scarecrow entrance. Then I remember it getting dark just solely for the main event, which yeah. I felt like was gave the, the gave cool. the main event that much more of a mystique to it and gave it set it yeah. different from rest of the card, in my opinion. Yeah, but I mean, I would say in general, it was a pretty good show from beginning to end. I mean, I remember most of the matches, um, and, uh, you know, the main event was very good. The Sting and Triple H match was eventful. The ladder match for the Intercontinental uh, Championship was really good uh, and just insane from beginning to end. So it was... And, you know, we may have built it up more at the time. And this was, oh, this was a time point that I was going to add that we can just go into right now, which I thought was really good. But um, WrestleMania was really good. And hype surrounding um, the WWE right after WrestleMania was at a peak and a really high peak. And I feel like they really squandered that big time in the last eight months yeah. of the year. I totally agree with you. That. I felt like walking out of WrestleMania, people were high on Seth Rollins becoming WWE champion. You know, Brock Lesnar just lost the WWE title. But he still looked super strong. Yeah, Triple H, Stephen Steen, which a lot of people felt like. You know, it didn't make any sense, especially later <laughs> in the year, Steam challenged the WWE title and all that fun stuff. Well, like, that's what that's the we're talking the misuse. Like, yeah. that, I don't know where that comes in, but yeah. Well, I totally agree with you that, you know, I guess I don't feel like WWE knew that they were planning on having Steam challenge Seth Rollins later on in the year for the WWE title. If they would have known that, I'm sure they would have gave Steam the victory against Triple H. But yeah, I totally agree with you that you know WWE's been covered on Sports Center off and on throughout the year. It's not like they had some kind of a contract, and I do agree with you that I feel like walking out of 2015, WWE doesn't have the buzz like they did around WrestleMania 31. Um, people were interested in seeing how how was the WrestleMania 31 card going to shape up and shake out. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it shows when you're talking about the Sting thing, even though it's such kind of a blip on the radar, it does show that I don't think they knew what they were going to do after WrestleMania. And they were uh, they were on such a high and just kind of like, what do we do next? And I don't know. You always have to begin with the end in mind. That's always the, the, the thing when you read a book about how to write or, you know, when I think about teaching a class or whatever, you always have to begin with the end in mind, and I don't think they do a lot of times or enough. Yeah, I, I feel like it. a lot has happened because of 
I guess the Monday Night War era that they're more concerned about the ratings grab and all that and now since WCW died what getting close to 15 years ago Jeez, yeah. And crazy know, to think, but yes. Only competition WWE really now has nowadays is when footballs and you know American footballs in season. You know, depending on the UFC card that's coming up, those are the two main uh, factors against WWE. And you know, at least in regards to football and the Super Bowl, Vince knows when that when that's going to happen. When his ratings are going to go down because of football, so. WWE, I feel like, like you said, could plan out a year in advance like they used to and know when the months when football or UFC pulls their ratings and like, okay, let's figure out stuff, what, let's build new guys up and let's figure out ways that people would actually want to stick around and watch our product instead of changing the channel, watch the Minnesota Vikings take on the Packers on Monday night or the next round of Rosie fight. That makes any sense. Yeah, except those are on Saturdays. Those are on Saturdays. Whatever, but I'm just yeah using that as <laughs> you an example, kind of, though, too. Kind of, you were going here, and then you went over here. Well, <laughs> in terms of like the UFC pay-per-views, people would rather spend money on that than, you know, when wrestling was still on traditional pay-per-view, they would rather spend their money on UFC pay-per-view than WWE pay-per-view. Okay. You keep getting ahead. That's one of my later talking points Whatever. is alternatives. Whatever, so... <laughs> Talk, you know, going back to WrestleMania, the one of the biggest things that came out of WrestleMania was Seth Rollins cashing the Money in the Bank briefcase in the middle of the Roman Reigns Brock Lesnar title match, and yeah, he walked out as WWE champion. He had to forfeit the title a little bit before Survivor Series this past year because of injury. I want to talk about the his WWE title title run and the booking of it. I. You know, at the start of his title run, I felt like it was okay. You know, I totally understand having J&J security, having the authority helping him win because that was his character walking into WrestleMania and winning the title. What kind of bothered me was right around the Money in the Bank pay-per-view when he told the authority, told Triple H, he wanted to face Dean Ambrose on his own in their ladder match. And I don't think that was really touched upon in the rest of his career rest of his title run. Well, that felt, was the last month of it. What was that? That was the last month of his title run. Well, he doing it So where else would it go? Yeah. Well, that, that was more in the middle of his title run. Money in the Bank was in October, and no, mo- he forfeited in mo- Money in November, Bank was in, wasn't it? Money in the Bank was in July. Oh, my bad. So, oh, yeah, Hell in the Cell was in October. Yeah. Okay. So that's Oops. what kind of what made me scratch my head that I felt like that, you know, that kind of storyline, I guess, you know, they could have touched up upon. But before I guess dig myself more in the hole that doesn't make any sense, what is your overall thoughts on Seth Rollins' WWE title run this year? Well, I think in general he had some really good matches um, with a big variety of opponents, um, which is always the test of a good champion. Um, I think that... Uh, the booking was awful of him. Um, I think that it just, and I don't know, I I don't want to just like dog on the same people that we always do, but I think that too much, he became kind of like a proxy for Triple H, where I think if you want to have 
of like a cowardly champion or whatever who cheats to defend his title, that's fine. Like we've seen many successful um, champions who do that, but I I thought too often, you know, Triple H was cutting his promos. It was like for in service of him and things like that. And uh, I just don't think that ends well. It just doesn't. It just isn't what it should be about. Uh, yeah, I totally, yeah, I totally I agree. With, I totally agree with you, and I can see that more and more when you mentioned that Seth Rollins is is in ways Triple H's prodigy, especially since after Seth Rollins had to quit using the curb stomp as his finish maneuver, he oh, yeah. transitioned to using the pedigree. Which, yeah. to me, I really don't care if he that doesn't matter. Yeah, that me. doesn't matter. But you know, I guess leading up to the the pay per views and the promo, the the video package for the pay per view main event. I can see that, yeah, Triple H is doing the, I mean, majority of the talking, so Triple H has to be the center of the storyline and the feud of whoever Seth Rollins is facing at, the, at that show. Right, just too often it seemed like, well, I mean, they, yeah, I don't know. They did this with with Vince McMahon back in the day, right? And, and just too often it seems like the the good guy is really feeding with Triple H and just because Triple H doesn't wrestle as much anymore, now Seth Rollins is facing him. And that's fine with I think kind of lower card guys. I don't think that should be your champion. Yeah. You know? Uh, I don't know. I guess you're kind of thinking more into it. I can see where I, I'd totally agree with you that Seth Rollins' title run was booked awful because it was pretty much Triple H not wrestling but handpicking the guy who's going to hold the title because Triple H doesn't want to wrestle anymore on a regular thing, right. on a regular basis. Right, but I mean, I, I do think when we look back, you know, years down the road, this uh, title run might look better just because the matches were good. And yeah. at, the, at the end of the day, that's what more or less things are judged upon. You know, when, when history looks back, you know, we don't necessarily look that uh, at the storylines. You know, storylines are obviously very important. They're the thing that separates wrestling from other forms of entertainment. But, you know, uh, he was having really good matches with a lot of different people. Yeah, and <laughs> Seth Rollins is one of the few guys up to his injury that I was looking, I look forward to every three or four weeks on seeing him. <laughs> him defend the title or whatever feud he else feud he, feud he was in. I always look forward to seeing his matches. Not so much that I agree with the storylines, but I really appreciate his work, and I can see him being one of the main players, one of the main event players for the WWE for the next several years. Right, and I do think that, like, as, well, you know, we're going to talk about it later, but... As I think the you know I think the viewership of wrestling's changing, and I think more and more with the advent of the network, and as we've seen over the past few weeks, fewer and fewer people are actually watching the television show, and more and more are just watching the pay per views. So I feel like the folks who just come out and have great pay per view matches are going to be the ones who are more important. And I don't think, you know, obviously storytelling won't ever go away and the the storylines of wrestling, but I do think that 
more and more, I think people are just watching the pay-per-views. And and that's almost like a flip of generations prior when pay-per-views are $60 because you couldn't, you know, so that was cost prohibitive. People would watch the free show and then not watch the pay-per-view. Well, now pay-per-view is so cheap, it's probably cheaper than cable. Yeah. <laughs> you pay 10 bucks a month, that's cheaper than cable. You watch the pay-per-view and then you don't watch Raw the rest of the month. I know that's me. Yeah, I don't well, know how many Raws have you caught this year? This year, uh, zero because exactly. Yeah, I don't you work. Mom and I don't have cable. You know, I don't yeah. see the point of paying for cable because of my work hours. I work during prime time TV. I don't have time to DVR it and watch it back later. When you know a week or two later or whatever else. You know, if, if there's a Raw or a match that was good and all that. I'd either wait for it to be released on the network a month later, or I'd go on YouTube or wherever else and try yep. to watch it. Yeah, I don't watch. I don't watch Raw. I have a wife. I we hang out during the night. We, you know, I don't. So I don't do that. I will reviews. I'll watch during my prep hour before school starts. You know, but I'm not doing that for Raw every week. Yeah. And you know, so I I think that's gonna change what or. I don't know. This is a good thing where I, I think whatever. Let's jump in now. I feel like this is something where someone who's forward thinking, being in charge, could get this. I don't think it's going to, but someone forward thinking could see. While it, it looks like Raw's becoming less important, let's focus our attention on people who will have really good pay per view matches, but. That's not what's happening. They're trying to do it like it's 1997 because they don't change. <laughs> no. That, I guess things that don't change, I don't know if you're going to this, but I want to talk about the two main feuds that John Cena had in okay. 2015. Uh, his first one with Rusev and C- uh, against Rusev, starting out, the, starting out at the Fastlane pay-per-view the month before WrestleMania, go, went through... I think two or three pay-per-views after WrestleMania. I don't really remember. Um, That's telling, by the way. Yeah. But that'll get to the... <laughs> once we get into it, yes. But I wanted to bring up the Rusev versus Cena feud because, you know, Rusev walked into 2015 as the United States champion, being undefeated. And I'm not disappointed that Rusev lost because all undefeated streaks are going to come to the end. Look at WrestleMania 30 ah. with The Undertaker. You know, I've... I feel like if once they defeat Rusev, I hope they change his character enough to still have him be a legit badass, you know, booty kicker throughout Russell 2015 or whenever they have him lose his streak in the U.S. title, which happened at WrestleMania, which, you know, is going to happen. I was sad, but Rusev still looked like the star coming out, to, coming out with the Russian tank and all that. I guess <laughs> when it came down, down to the end of the feud, Rusev only had one win against Cena, and Cena beat him like I think, think three or so pay per views in a row. And I, I think felt that's like, right. and I felt like Rusev hasn't even Rusev hasn't capitalized on the steam that he had up to losing the losing to Cena at WrestleMania this year. And I feel like that also ties in with the Cena versus Owen Kevin Owens feud that had happened after Cena defeated Rusev for the last time that. I heard a lot about Kevin Owens before he signed with WWE, and I was excited to see and hear what, what 
how his career would be in NXT than moving to the WWE. I haven't watched any of his NXT stuff because I don't have time to go back to watch NXT, but I should make time to watch the specials and all that. And you know, him walking into the first pay-per-view and walking out of the first pay-per-view with the W, I felt like his match, first match with Cena was great. I was excited to see what he would do with Owens because I, I guess I felt... The way it's similar to Owens' his first pay-per-view match with Cena, like I did with Rusev, you know, both won, both had potential, but Cena, at end of the feud, Cena was 2-1 to one against Owens in the pay-per-view match, uh, pay-per-view match series, and I feel like, you know, I guess Kevin Owens kind of recovered a little bit quicker than Rusev, Owens won the Intercontinental yeah. title later on in the year. I guess what kind of bothers me is I want to talk to you about Mr. Beverly Hills because I don't want to always bash Cena because Cena has had awesome matches this year in 2015. I feel like Cena, in his later latter days of his career, should help build up new stars. And I feel like him always coming out fresh on top in every single feud isn't helping build up new stars. Yeah, I, I guess I agree too. I think... Uh... Like, in the ring, this was one of Steve's best years uh, in memory. But uh, I definitely get what you're saying. Like, Rusev was lost for a long time after the Cena feud. And it goes back to this. Uh, I'm fine with Cena winning their feud, but you need to have a plan for where to Rusev go after this and I don't know does he go away that's fine does he have some type of wrinkle does he start a new feud with someone else well something but what happened was was terrible and I think they went at least one match too long in that feud yeah totally agree with you because by yeah because by the time you're in I gotta say, it was four. Don't, wasn't it four? I think so, because I felt like, you know, Alistair Rusev won one. I feel like yeah, Cena, won, in... Cena won three after that. Okay, so once you're into match four, you're just kind of like rubbing salt into the wound. You're just kind of like grinding in at that point, you know. Uh, I So I think that's the first wrong step they made. You know, it's too many. Three and one is too much. Um, they were getting more and more one-sided, and they just didn't really know what to do with Rusev after. Um, you know, I think I love the open challenge gimmick with Cena as the U.S. champion. It was very cool. Um, it was something that led to a lot of great matches with a lot of really interesting folks. Some raw match that I actually sought out to watch again. <laughs> you know, like the Zack Ryder match and things like that. But... Um, you know, that, that Rusev feud, I think, toward the end was really kind of bungled. Uh, led into that just freaking interminable that, uh, Dolph Ziggler feud. Oh, yeah. my God. Well, you oh, talk, God. Talking talk about that, I wish Rusev and Lana never separated that. I feel like now, towards, at the oh, end yeah. of 2015, they change up Lana's character and seemingly like that she's more manipulative and tried to yeah, get in the head of Rusev's opponents to help Rusev capitalize that much quicker. 
Well, it's better. Like, I was just going to say, you know, thanks so much that those pictures with the engagement ring were leaked because her as a face against it, Rusev was so bad. It was just so bad. And Z- oh, Ziggler, he freaking needs a, a revamp more than anyone on the whole roster. He is as bland, or not even as bland, just as stale as it gets. But regardless, I, I do think that the scene of you did nothing for Rusev and it looked like it was going to do a lot for him because you know he was right near the the top right near the main event picture during the Cena feud and just as it went on and on and on it got to the point where it's like oh woof you know and uh, he's still trying to build back up I think Um, as for Owens I think he was able to kind of roll through the end of that feud and kind of land on his feet but I think that's also kind of more of his character you know he's not the he's not the kind of like monster kind of figure that you know Rusev was and like this is one of those things where like if you look back in the 80s or earlier you know the monster would come in they'd beat Whoever, you know, in in the Northeast, they'd beat Bruno in the first match by disqualification. In Memphis, they'd win the title from Jerry Lawler, you know, whatever. Then next month, they come back. The They have a competitive match and lose. Or in Memphis, whatever, they retain via DQ. And then the third match, they lose and they go away. You know, they go away. They go on to the next place. In our day and age, there's nowhere for them to go. You know, they they tried, and I I liked when they had, you know, two brands at least. Well, if you, you went through your cycle, well, you could go somewhere else. You could go to SmackDown. You could go to Raw. Now, where does Rusev go? Where does Owens go? Well, Owens was able to kind of since he's not that kind of monster, he's able just to kind of hang back a little bit, eventually come back when the, have a great feud of Cesaro and then come back for the Intercontinental Championship. But, you know, it's a product of what era we're in. Yeah. Where where do you go? Where I, do you go? I guess, you know, kind of tie or, you know, jump on one of the talk points you, you just brought up. Yeah. I feel like we... We, I, I'm sure you and I really enjoyed having Cena off TV since Hell in a Cell to to sure. refresh his character, give him a break. Yeah, you know, kind of like what you said. You know, if they didn't have any plans for Rusev after his Cena feud, for Kevin Owens after his Cena feud, why not give them a few months off after the feud? Let, let them, right. you know, give them some time off. Let them refresh. Let us, as fans, forget about them for several months or however long until you have something planned for them, then bring them back with a new wrinkle. Like, it's like Rusev and Lana are doing nowadays with how yeah. Lana's been acting or for, yeah, like I said, for Kevin Owens, when you had a feud with Cesaro, then have the inter- intercontinental title run for him. You know, just give them some time off, you know, if, you know, well, well yeah, so I just feel like that would give us fans, it'll give us a lot more respect to, you know, like, okay, he beat Rusev, he beats Owens. Okay, we didn't see Owens for a while. You know, those two for a while. Then they came back, 
and they're different. So let's see how different these guys will act now after defeating Cena or after losing to Cena. Right. Yeah. I. I don't know. You know. You don't. <laughs> when the monster movie's done, you don't see Frankenstein. Like go back to his house and, you know, who he fights next. The movie ends, and then you watch the next one, and Frankenstein's back, right? Like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you need to like get rid of him for a little bit or whatever. It's hard, just like, well, now he's got to try to do something different. It's tough, but. That's well, where we're at. Can I talk about Frankenstein? Yeah, perfect. Let's talk about Brock Lesnar taking on The Undertaker. They had you know, their rematch at SummerSlam after the Mania 30 match. You know, They had their match three inside Hell in a Cell at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Let's talk about their feud. Obviously, both of us mentioned we don't watch Raw. We could care less about Raw. We have lives and all that funky like a monkey stuff, daddy. How excited were you on when you heard that Brock and Taker are having matched two of their series at SummerSlam? To be honest, I was I didn't think I, I would be excited at all. I thought that WrestleMania 30 match kind of sucked. Uh, Taker looked like a zombie and not in a good way. Um, and I thought it was just, I, I was like, oh god desperation you know like uh oh what they're just trying to think of what we can do but i thought both their matches were really good Uh, i thought their SummerSlam match was tremendous it was really fun um i yeah i liked their feud i thought it was a cool thing yeah that going walking into or SummerSlam, i was i guess concerned since you know brock accidentally concussed undertaker in middle or the beginning middle of their mania match so I was kind of concerned on how well Undertaker's That's body... That's when he started looking like a zombie. Yeah, when Undertaker's <laughs> body was going to hold up since he hasn't wrestled more than one match in a year for the last, like, five years. But like you said, their SummerSlam <laughs> match, I had pretty no expectations. Well, I guess the only <laughs> expectation I had was I was hoping to be better than wrestling a 30 match, which sure. at SummerSlam, they blew it away. The finish, I felt, uh-huh. I felt like, was creative. Wasn't executed the the greatest, but was creative Undertaker tapping, which I feel like gives Undertaker a new wrinkle to his character. And I thought their Hell in a Cell match was awesome. I loved, for the first time that I can remember in WWE, they ripped apart the mat, they pulled away, pulled away the padding, and revealed the you know the plywood underneath the ring. And okay. both guys tried to execute the finishing maneuvers to one another on that on the exposed wood. I Loved both matches after their SummerSlam match. I really looked forward to the Hell in a Cell match, even though the feud really didn't make any sense or the storyline didn't make any sense between two pay-per-views, but whatever, that doesn't matter. I don't watch Raw, so I could care less. Yeah. But I really, I feel like the two matches Undertaker vs. Brock had this year, Undertaker looked very great in both of them. Yeah, he did. He really did. And I thought... You know, last year's mania, this year's mania, and I was like throwing the towel on Taker, like get go away, like forever go away. You know, I I was really getting sick of of his mania matches. the The streak was over. This year's with Wyatt was garbage. Like, so even when, like I said, I was not excited. 
uh, for for the SummerSlam match. But SummerSlam was good. Hell in the Cell was good. Uh, even um, Survivor Series was acceptable. Well, I was gonna, like, I was mention that that yeah, like you said, the it was Taker and Kane against Bray Wyatt and uh, Luke Harper. No, yep. yes, no, it wasn't mm-hmm. Luke Harper? It was the other guy. No, it was it was Harper. Was it? Uh-huh. Strowman oh, started. That's right. I was thinking about Eric. Started, but he rolled out. I was thinking of Eric Rowan. Yeah, oh, Luke okay. Harper and Bray Wyatt. I feel like those were the better two guys to help Undertaker carry on to a good tag team match, and especially this was Undertaker's fourth match of the year. Yeah, like I said, it was acceptable. I definitely feel like it was better than his WrestleMania match against Bray Wyatt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Easy. Easy so, I was very happy to see Undertaker have four matches this year, and especially if Undertaker's going to wrap it up at this coming WrestleMania. It was great to see a couple more matches out of the Undertaker and him going out on a better note than what we've been seeing him, like you said, at the last few WrestleManias. Yeah, I and I hope that if he comes, well, yeah, I'm sure he will. But like at this media, it's again motivated Undertaker. You yeah. Know. Then looking at the outline, the question arises: <laughs> Did you or I stop watching wrestling? And I, oh, I wrote it. This is you. Did you? Did you stop watching wrestling in August? Because you, these were your points. Seth Rollins, Brock Lesnar, Undertaker, Rusev, Cena, Owens, Cena. So did you stop watching wrestling in August outside of the one taker match? No, I didn't. And, <laughs> well, well, just that, you know, I love seeing Undertaker come back and have a match. It's just to see how well he does. I love seeing Brock Lesnar come back and have... Uh, random house show match against Kofi Kingston in Tokyo. I guess, you know, a non-televised event against Alberto Del Rio for the U.S. title that I guess happened recently and all that. I love seeing that. And I guess, no, I did not stop watching wrestling in <laughs> August or whatever because I guess I wasn't really that well interested in the product because of, like we talked about earlier with Seth Rollins and his booking, I just wasn't staying in with the product, but which I guess brings us to our next topic, Roman Reigns in 2015. Yeah, I feel like at the end of the year, looking back, 2015 can see, be seen as the, the year of Rollins, well, really the year of the Shield, Rollins, Reigns, and Ambrose. Uh, I think those are the, um, you know, outside of Cena, I guess. Those are probably the three biggest stars of the year uh, involved in the best matches, pushed the hardest. But yeah, what do you, how would you talk about, just talk about Reigns' 2015? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you that I, you know, every year over at chemicalclutchblog.com, Eric Argillo reaches out to his writers, you know, his one time or, you know, a very occasional writer like me or his regular writers. He offers them to, Add in their opinions in like a paragraph form on a couple different categories. And this year, I, you know, I told Eric I'll be totally into writing in. And I pulled up the Word document that I came up with. And, you know, looking over it, Roman Reigns dominated most of the topics. You know, mm-hmm. He was my wrestler of the year. He was involved in my WWE match of the year against Bray White and Hell in a Cell. 
he was to me he was a breakout star, and yeah, because you know, granted his mic skills suck, and I feel like when WWE limits his talking ability to, you know, in ways against Bray Wyatt, you me Hell in a Cell, that's all he needs to say. Mm-hmm. You know, let him go inside Hell in a Cell and kick Bray Wyatt's booty from corner to corner, pillar to post. Uh, you know, I like seeing uh, the butt kicker, Roman Reigns, not saying that much verbally, but speaking through how much he dominates his opponent. Yeah, I mean, I think as we're kind of finally learning here in December, uh, you know, Reigns is the proverbial square peg, right? Yeah. He's He does not fit into... He is not the rock. Yes, he's Samoan. Yes, he has tattoos. He is not the rock. He cannot talk like him. He is he is half of Stone Cold. He has the kind of ass kicker persona, but he cannot talk like Stone Cold. They need to stop, stop trying to make new stars into the old ones. And I feel like finally, and I mean, they're still trying to do it. They're still trying to make him Stone Cold, but... You know, he's not. Let him be him. Let him do short promos and then just, you know, beat people around. Let him do that kind of thing. Look beautiful for the women. You know, do that. Just let him be him. He has star potential, but he's not He's not an Attitude Era star. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know. You yeah. know, so. I, you know, just look at the PS pay-per-view matches. Roman Reigns impressed me. He his matches caught my eye and he walking into twenty fifteen I wasn't really much of a Roman Reigns fan. Walking out of twenty fifteen I look forward to watching his pay per view matches now. You know, he had yeah. an awesome match at Fastlane against Daniel Bryan. He had surprisingly enough a great match with Big Show last man standing match. And like I said the Hell in a Cell match with Bray Wyatt. He had had blow away matches that and against guys that I didn't think could help him look good, like the Big Show. No offense to the Big Show. Right. But just from... Oh, like, I, I mean offense. I mean offense to Big Show. Big Show sucks at this point. But, yeah, Big Show's definitely <laughs> in his twilight of his career. I just feel like Roman Reigns Fuck had... shadows of his career. Roman Reigns had a great, <laughs> great year in ring, and I am happy to finally see that fans are finally turning to be on his side. You know, look at... Well, I think the... the, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, just look at the Raw a couple weeks ago when he won the title in Philly. That was the Royal Rumble crowd that booed the crap out of him when he won the Royal Rumble. Oh, good point. With Vince coming back for one night, you know, his first night back in over a year, hey, I'm pissed off, you beat up my son-in-law. Then, you know, win the WWE title, you're fired. A Superman punch... Then Reigns winning the title minutes later, I feel like that put put Roman Reigns over in the in the town where they shat on him earlier in the year. Yeah. So I feel like Vince had a lot of balls trying to do that in the same town that pooped on Reigns earlier in the year. But I'm happy that WWE kept saying, "Okay, Roman Reigns fans don't want him right now. Let's pull him back. Let let him." Yeah. That show, was a good idea. Let him pulling him back in the summer and doing the Wyatt feud. Yeah, let him show off that he could have great matches with people, with unexpected people, and, and let's give him, give him, you know, when well, I guess he kind of had to since Reigns went or yeah, Seth Rollins went down with injury, but 
I'm happy that, that, that Roman Reigns finally is getting a title run. I had to give props to Sheamus, too, on Sheamus being the hero. Ooh, I don't give props to Sheamus. I thought that... I thought those weeks of him as title was dog shit. Well, I'm not I think he was bad. <laughs> I'm not happy to see Sheamus as champion, but I give him props for going through the TLC match that he had with Roman Reigns in the next match. You know, being battered and beaten and helping put Roman Reigns over to the crowd that didn't want to accept him earlier in the year. Sheamus is gross. I don't like it. Well, you're gross. <laughs> so something that's next great, on the... Great comeback. What's next on the outline... Is a is the rise of NXT? I know you brought put that in the outline. Uh, tell me why. Tell tell me about this rise, the rise of NXT. Yeah, I just thought 2015 was a great year for NXT, and it really set itself apart uh, from WWE as a whole um, with its kind of use of I don't know. I guess you would say indie darlings. Um, you know, Kevin Owens and, uh, you know, Finn Balor, formerly Prince Devitt, Samoa you know, Joe. Samoa Joe, um, Sami Zayn before he got injured. Um, yeah. And, and then obviously the women, uh, and just the, fa- I mean, I could have put on the outline just the failed divas revolution, but that really shows like NXT where they are, you know, treated as equals the, they main event, uh, they main event a show, you know, a major show. They have the best match on a, on another show. Um, they really mean something. They have meaningful feuds. Uh, I don't know. I just think like NXT is the model of of what WWE should be. Well, you were talking about the brand extension earlier. Yeah, I feel like WWE is doing a good job on building up NXT and having it as its own separate brand. That it was the SummerSlam week and the sold out Brooklyn the night before SummerSlam. Yep. they were just overseas in UK. It's not like they're bringing U, uh, NXT out and about and kind of touring it a little bit. They've and, already sold out all those events yeah. across the US. Yeah, and all that. I feel like they're, they're doing a good job. Building NXT up as his own brand, as his own, with his own stars and all that. And I, yep. I don't think this will ever happen, but I would love to see possibly NXT taking over SmackDown slot. You know, have it so have it as, as its own yeah. brand, even if it's still de- developmental. It's still nice to see, you know, different guys, different stars, different storylines from what's on WWE. Main WWE TV nowadays. Yeah, and I would just hope that it'd be real, just really NXT, like whatever. If you just a name on it doesn't mean anything. I would just hope that it'd be the real thing. Yeah, that it was. Yeah, it, granted, I haven't watched much NXT, but I've heard nothing but great things. It's been encouraging, like you said. NXT, wherever NXT is going outside of Full Sail University, they've been selling out. They've been. Put, I've been hearing they've been put on great matches. I hope. Nothing but more success for NXT in 2016. Right on. So Agreed. Our next topic, which I'm happy you brought up because I was wanted to kind of t- touch upon it anyway, is injuries in wrestling and WWE in general. Before we talk about that, I want to talk to you about Daniel Bryan. Sure. Well, he would be one that yeah. I would definitely want to be included in this, yes. Because last night, before I went to bed, before I got your text, I wrote down, 
Daniel Bryan's concussions and all that, and why I got your yeah. outline, I'm happy, okay, this fits in well. Right. Uh, before we kind of talk about other guys being injured, I want to talk about Daniel Bryan. And, you know, this was what, the second year in a row, had to give up a title due to an injury. Mm-hmm. You know, because, like, uh, his years on the road in ROH and Dragon Gate and him going hard in indie promotions is finally catching up to him. And yeah. wanted to talk to you about when is it when is it time for Daniel Bryan to hand it up and when is it time for wrestlers to hand it up when they're facing injuries? Oh, gosh, that's such a tough answer, tough question to answer. Um, you know, I've been a... I'm, you know, I'm a huge sports fan, not just of wrestling and, you know, injuries and is it time to retire and whatnot. And, and it's just a tough, an- it's a tough question to answer because, like, what do you do when you're done wrestling? You know, you can't like become a coach. <laughs> there are very limited uh, announcer spots. It's just a, if this is what you do, it's a very tough thing to to hang up and. Uh, I don't know. How do you tell someone to be done? But um, so I don't know. It, it's uh, I guess that that's between him and his doctors. I don't yeah. have the answer Cause for that so, one. Sounds like the WWE doctor says no. His personal doctor says yes. Yeah. And it could be a, a liability for WWE if they bring him back and something right. worse happens, especially yeah. when their doctor said no. Yeah. I guess, you know, when guys like Daniel Bryan or Seth Rollins, Grand Seth Rollins, isn't as far into his career as Daniel Bryan, but when guys go down with injuries, it gives me that much more respect of uh, what they do for us night in and night out. And, sure, yeah. And Daniel Bryan, I you know became a big fan of his last over the last few years, mm-hmm. and if he doesn't wrestle again, I'm cl- completely fine with that. You know, the one ROH match that we we watched for the YouTube series, I loved. You know, I I would love to go back and watch his stuff that he had before he join the WWE and it would be cool if you know he somehow incorporates with training guys in NXT or as some kind of as a coach or sure. character development or you know having forbid join the writing team or whatever yeah. else you know somehow be incorporated with the offices of WWE for he can still be used cre- creatively and all that I love to see that in you know, I guess that's why I want to bring up Daniel Bryan. That he's he gave his body to professional wrestling to us fans for the last decade plus. And if it's time to give it, you know, time to hit up his boots and move somewhere else into pro, pro wrestling, I thank him for that. I thank him for you know being on the road away from his family, giving us blood, sweat, and tears. And you know, with Seth Rollins gone. I appreciate his work that much more in 2015 and prior that he's willing to give us our give us his body for our entertainment and to be considered one of the best. Right? Yeah, I. There's a lot to unpack there, but yeah, the, with with Brian, I guess it. Well, take it piece by piece. I guess with the Brian, yeah. If if it's the end of the road for him, that's fine. Um, but I don't, like I said, I'm not one to say when it's time to be done. Um, that's, that's between him and whoever, like this is his chosen craft. And, uh, you know, if somebody told me tomorrow you have to be done doing what you love, well, that'd be a really hard thing to do. And, uh, I don't know. I would, I would do whatever I 
needed to 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 keep doing it just as like I'm sure he is. So that's a that's a probably really tough struggle he's going through. But just in general, I I thought that this year just the top stars were ravaged by entry, you know, Rollins, um Cesaro, uh Brian, you know, just kind of guys who were really ready for um, you know, kind of going to the next level or who are already there. Orton well, is another oh, I, Tyson yeah. Kidd. Yeah, Tyson Kidd, right. Yeah, so it, it was just a year where I think, you know, there are always big injuries and stuff. I just feel like maybe this year they came at inopportune times. Like for guys who were like Cesaro seemed to be really ready for a big push. Rollins obviously was the champion. Um, you know, Brian was the Intercontinental champion. So those, I, I don't know if it's just more of what every year is, but this year coming at inopportune times, but it really seemed like injuries kind of ravaged yeah. plans in 2015. I guess I want to jump in and get and say, you know, like tie back in with John Cena that this is where I feel like when wrestlers, when the, when, when the creative doesn't have a good storyline for the guys, I'm totally okay with them going off TV for a month, a couple months, six weeks, whatever, to give them the time off, let them, you know, rest up and, and mentally rest and do come back when, when you know, the time is right. Sure. Then, then be mentally ready and physically ready and, yeah, give them time off. And I heard wrestlers say before that time off is their worst enemy because that's when injuries are able to finally set in and all that. But Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. I feel like, it, you know, it'd be good, too, to let them, you know, if injuries then pop up when they're out, let them take care of it instead of, you know, performing on it more and more than pulling the stuff around and his knee giving up middle of the match and and all that stuff. Huh. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, but I yeah I would say take out yeah, take an off season or take a few months off when you can, um, instead of having to do it kind of retroactively like uh, after things go wrong. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. So I know something we've talked a lot about during the year and a half that we've been doing main event status radio is the lack of real alternatives yeah. to WWE. You know, like you put in the outline, Tina is dying a horrible death this year. Yeah. ROH is finally seeming like they're gaining ground, getting steam. Um, Lucha Underground. Yeah, but they kind of pooped out on the, at the end of the year because now they're on Comet or whatever. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, then Lucha Underground's you no know, gains team with the first season. They got signed for a second season that they're taping. You know, I'm, I'm hoping Lucha Underground becomes a success and changes what what alternative of WWE looks like. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, because I thought this year, outside of, I guess, Lucha Underground, just it seemed like another competitor, a number two isn't going to be there, you know, and this was, I, yeah, I don't know. I just felt like a real like challenger didn't emerge. And I, that's why I like Lucha Underground because it's not a challenger. It's something that's entirely different. And that's why it's cool. And I don't feel like there'd be, I don't, it'd be a very long time if we'll ever see another WCW that can compete with WWE money wise. Uh, because, yeah, it might never happen. And that's why I like Lucha Underground. I haven't watched anything of it, but I heard nothing but great <laughs> things. They're completely different from WWE, and that's what I want to hear. You know, I like to see 
TNA and ROH somehow change up their ways to be something completely different to WWE like Lucha Underground. I feel like that would be the only way they can make impact, and I feel like that would be the only way they can make money and become legit competitors to Vince McMahon and the WWE. Right. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, be be something entirely different. Yes. So besides this being a uh, year in review of what's going on in current pro wrestling, let's give our overall thoughts on the series that we did over 2015, starting out with the Road to WrestleMania 11 series, Mr. Beverly Hills. Yep, that's what we did. Road to WrestleMania 11. And, <laughs> and I... I guess towards the end of Road to WrestleMania 11, I know both of us were happy to hang up, hang up WWF Raw for you know for a while because we were both getting burnt out from it. But you know some of the TV matches that we've seen, like Owen versus Razor, Shawn versus Bulldog, I I really well enjoyed you know finding finding a few of those gems in the early parts of WWF 1995. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ninety five was cool. There was some cool stuff. It was, it, it, and like you said, it definitely was like some hidden gem type situations. Then uh, another hidden gem that I really enjoyed was our book, our first Dirty Dog book series that, that, <laughs> yeah. of WCW. Gosh, the Dirty Dog book club. Yeah, yeah, we we got through that. Got through the book. I, it was fun to finally sit down and read it and discuss it with you and. Get Artie Reynolds on, which was probably has to be that one was my, really fun. Has to be one of my favorite one-off guests that we've had over over the the history of main event status radio so far. Yeah, that was a big highlight of the year, definitely. Then we did the Great American Bash of the Beach Tour, nineteen ninety six, with WCW, and I feel like just like the Raw ninety five matches that we watched, I feel like there was a lot of hidden gems in the Nitro matches we've seen from mm-hmm. the few weeks in ninety six. Yeah, Nitros really showed that they were fun and they were so, some good looking stuff at the, you know, that, that kind of are lost in the shuffle when you think about WCW as a whole. So it was fun to sit down and watch the first few two hour Nitros and all that stuff. And a series that I didn't expect to go over that well with myself and that was the YouTube A through Z series. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of fun with the YouTube A to Z series. Just a lot of really kind of cool stuff. Um, some not so cool stuff, but <laughs> for the most part, I dug it. I I still really love the Ken Patera promo that we watched with him and Tony Atlas and all that. That's still... <laughs> That still is a highlight to me, so which is why I really enjoyed overall YouTube A through Z, even though we ended on Rock and Roll Zoom Off. Oh, God, that's right. Jeez. <laughs> Don't remind me. So, you and I came up with two different top five favorite matches list. So, yes. I'll let you introduce the first one you like to do. All right, let's do yeah, let's do top five matches of 2015. Okay, like that took place in 2015. Okay, so I do have a couple honorable mentions, Mr. Beverly Hills. All right, shoot them. First happened at the Hell in a Cell pay per view back in October. First one was the surprise debut of Alberto Del Rio defeating John Cena for the U.S. title. I had to feel like that was one that has to be mentioned because match wasn't 
great, but it was an unexpected surprise from Del Rio. He won with a super kick, which <laughs> isn't really one of his finishing maneuvers or signature maneuvers. But it was great to God, see. God, I hate his new. I hate his new finisher. By the way, I do too. But you know, so freaking stupid. First night back, there wasn't really much rumblings that he was coming back. So it was great to see Del Rio back. He had a great match with Cena, which speaks a lot about from both guys. So that was mm-hmm. my first honor roll mention. My second honor roll, roll mention, I already mentioned earlier in the podcast, referring to my part of the Chemical Clutch blog, year interview blog, Roman Reigns defeating Bray White said Hell in a Cell. I, to me, I feel like that was the third and final match out of the Roman Reigns series from, you know, with Daniel Bryan and Big Show from earlier in the year. That right. was That was the match when, where I felt like I was okay with Roman Reigns being given the WWE title and going on as champion. Convinced you of it, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So do you want me to start out with my number five, or do you want to do it with your number five? Uh, Okay, I'll do number five. Yeah. My number five comes from Lucha Underground. It was on the finale, uh, just to really finish out the first season on a strong note on Ultima Lucha, which uh, it is Mil Muertes versus uh, Prince Puma. And... Uh, yeah, you probably don't know either of these guys. I, I've, uh, I've did heard you of ever see? Did you ever see Mil Muertes when he was in uh, TNA as Judas Macias? I've heard of him, yes. Okay. I think I've seen a few matches of him, yeah, back in early days okay. of TNA. Yeah, he's way better oh, as, yeah. as Mil Muertes. He's, I love the love the gimmick of him being like this. Like the, this is the cool thing about Lucha Underground is that like it's in a different world. Like Mil Muertes is, I guess, like dead. Like that's the thing is like he's he is literally a zombie, and his manager Katrina has like this rock that's like from a freaking volcano or something and whenever she holds it up like he gets power and he's just this like big freaking dude and he uh, is just a monster literally and he uh, finally in their last in their season finale here he wins the title from uh, Prince Puma who had held it for most of the year uh, Prince Puma being also known as Ricochet on the on the indie scene he's he's totally different style he's a high flyer guy uh, really kind of in the vein of gosh i don't know like evan born that okay. would be probably the most similar guy that you would know and um his manager was conan through the whole thing he never spoke so um but he was the, he was the champion for most of the time and it so it got down to these two guys and they just had an awesome knockdown drag out like 17 minute match that ended with um Muertes winning the the title and going cool. into now season 2 as the champion so yeah I loved that match that was really good my number 5 it doesn't line up with what I get sent to you Mr. Beverly Hills oh uh-oh, okay because what I sent you was pretty stuff that the first matches I thought of when okay. the matches I enjoyed from the year, my number five has to be when Kevin Owens defeated John Cena at WWE Elimination okay. Chamber on May 31st in the American Bank Center in Corpus Christi, Texas. Because, <laughs> like I said earlier, that was the first match that Kevin Owens had on WWE TV on the main roster. And like, okay. I said, it's, like I said, I heard nothing but great things about Kevin Steen, Kevin Owens, and it was great to see him come in and 
and had his first feud against John Cena. Granted, you know, like I said, I wasn't a fan of Cena going over, but the first match gave Kevin Owens a lot of steam, and I hope in 2016 in the future, Kevin Owens can gain that steam again and be one of the top heels in the company. Yeah, and it seems like he's on that path, so... And I love when he says Chinlock City. <laughs> yes. I think it's hilarious. And like I said before on I think multiple po- other podcasts that one thing I appreciate about Kevin Owens is that he said he's a prize fighter. He yes. wrestles to win because winners make more money. Make money. As yeah. Intercontinental Champion, he makes more money because he's a champion. And when he wins as champion, he makes even more money. So that's one thing I like about Kevin Owens. I hope... They capitalized more on that in 2016. Right on. Cool. Okay, my number four is from SummerSlam in L.A. in August, uh, and it's that Brock Lesnar-Undertaker match. Uh, I really dug that match. I was doing the Undertaker laugh at you. <laughs> I, that was probably the greatest thing ever there? was the Undertaker laugh, and I don't know if you saw memes <laughs> of it, but... When during Undertaker's Star Series uh, entrance, he had a big old floating casket, and they showed, you know, pictures of him from over the years. And I saw online that somebody put in the picture of him laughing at <laughs> SummerSlam, and that made me laugh really hard. Like I wish they actually showed that image when he was coming out in oh, Star Series. I freaking love that stuff. But I really like the match in general and putting aside kind of the weird finish, um I thought it was really good from beginning to end. I had a lot of fun watching it. Uh watching these two guys can just go at it. My number four has to be the first WWE title match of the year when Brock Lesnar retained his WWE World Heavyweight title against Seth Rollins and John Cena at the WWE Royal Rumble on January twenty fifth in the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, PA <laughs> because I felt that was an awesome three-way match. I'm sure we talked about it during the Roto WrestleMania 11 series. That I am happy they added Seth Rollins into the, in the match, make it a different kind of match, make it a different wrinkle. Because if we would see Brock and Cena again, we saw that many yeah. times before. It, Seth Rollins gave it a breath of fresh air. It gave Seth Rollins a you know a mid event push, the mid event in. You know he put got the you know. Put a pin drop in the main event picture, which gave him a foothold that we'll see later on, you know, a few months later. But that was an awesome match. He, you know, it gave the match a different feel, and it gave Cena and Lesnar something different to do in their normal matches with each other. Right on. I agree. That's sometimes that third man really changes. Um, Kind of the, the layout of, of a match of one that, you know, we've seen before. You throw a third one in, and it makes things a lot different. Um, my number three uh, is the WrestleMania main event. Uh, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, then transitioning into uh, Seth Rollins. Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, uh, resulting in uh, Seth Rollins uh, winning the title and uh, holding it then yeah. for most of 2015. So. Totally agree with you. I'm not going to touch... Give my opinions on that match, but yep. So okay, yeah, I I had a lot of fun in that match. I thought the the layout with Lesnar just kind of dominating through it, and Reigns just kind of persevering through it uh, was an interesting layout, a fun layout, and one that made it 
uh, kind of cool, and and the story plays right into. That was my megaphone. I apologize. <laughs> this the storyline plays perfectly into into Rollins coming out because you have Lesnar who is dominating but wearing himself out by constantly having to you know take on Reigns. You have Reigns who's persevering through but also getting worn out by this constant you know attack, and then you have Rollins just come in and you know uh, prey on on these two worn out behemoths and uh i love it so yeah totally, totally agree with you my number three has to be chris jericho defeating neville from wwe beast in the east which i put beat in the east and my notes <laughs> from july 4th in tokyo japan i picked that because also i'm a big jericho fan ha 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 i, I think thought, you picked it to troll me yes I can't believe this is your second best match of the year. Third best, by the way. Oh, third. Okay. And I picked it because I felt like it gave Neville a different style of match that he was known for, and I felt like it, granted, things weren't capitalized with Neville after his match with Jericho from Beast in the East, but I feel like if they want to, they can do a lot more with Neville than what they do. And I would agree with you. And I feel like bringing in Jericho for the live event kind of you know, help put Neville up in the category that, you know, he can do a lot more, WWE can do a lot more than what they are with him. You know, have him as a cartoon character, high flyer. You know, he can be a high flyer, but he can put on awesome matches like he did with Jericho in Tokyo, and I feel like they can do it, yeah, just that much more with Neville that I hope they do, I hope they realize that in 2016. Did you hear ever hear that the rumor that Vince McMahon wanted to bring him in as Mighty Mouse, like literally as a mouse? That's funny. I thought I heard about that, and I'm not surprised with uh, <laughs> Neville's ears, but that sh- oh, his shouldn't ears matter, are, though. His ears are ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. My number two is my second Lucha Underground match, and my second match featuring uh, this match, it was called Grave Consequences. It was from um, late in March, I think the 18th of March. Uh, and it was Mil Muertes versus Phoenix is his name. And basically, this match was a, a ca- coffin match, casket match. Okay. That's what uh, Grave Consequences is. And uh, it was so good. Again, it's, it goes back to the crazy um mythology, Mil Muertes, meaning 1,000 deaths. He's the zombie guy. Phoenix, well, of course, what, you know, Phoenix rises from the dead. So it's life versus death here, and uh, it's so good. (laughs) uh, You... You have have this casket match. You got Phoenix's um, mask mask being ripped in the match and he's all bloody and uh you know he just keeps fighting and fighting and i just i just love this match so much my number two mr beverly hills has to be the match that you already talked about seth rollins (laughs) winning the wwe world heavyweight title at wrestlemania 31 in santa clara california when he defeated brock lesnar and roman reigns it was to add a little bit more to what you talked about when you reviewed it as your number three. That it, I think this was the only time the Money in the Bank briefcase was cashed in in the middle of the WWE title match. If memory serves me correctly, I think you're right. I think almost most almost all of them are usually at the end. Usually at the end after the match is over, or I'll say announced 
prior. So it was unique, and I never thought yeah this this idea of cashed in the middle of a title match never crossed my mind before. So when his theme song started, you know, hit during the Mania 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 hit event, I'm like this will make it that much more, this match that much more interesting, give it a different wrinkle. So I'm excited yeah. for it. <laughs> right so on. that was right that, that was my number two, Mister Beverly Hills. Okay, my number one, the big one is the Big Show. Uh, no, not God, not the Big Show. <laughs> Nothing involving the Big Show will be even close Done. to number one on my list. My number one is Bailey versus Sasha Banks from NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. Uh, I thought the match had a great story throughout. It was so good. It was just uh, nonstop from beginning to end. Um, I had so much fun watching it. It was it was really just great. So my number fun. my number five, I guess, is the repeat match that you brought up for your number four. My number, I guess, my yep. my, my, my number one, I should say, because uh, I think I said number five because it's number five on my list. Is Brock Lesnar <laughs> fitting the Undertaker inside Helva? <laughs> at the Staples Center in L.A., California, uh, on October twenty fifth, like we mentioned earlier, one hell of a match, interesting, ripping up the canvas, pulling up the mats, and all that. Yeah, exposing cool. the plat- the boards. It was a fun match, and I feel like a good, you know, did it live up to their previous Hell in a Cell match back in 02? Probably not, but you know what? It's a different time. <laughs> Both guys are a lot older. I think it was still a, a great Hell in a Cell match. Right on. I so, agree. So we have another top five list, Mr. Beverly Hills. Yes, yep. What As is- we are more, oh, sorry. As we are mostly a old school podcast, uh, our number five is old school matches that we watched this year. So, do you want me to start out this list this time? Yeah, you go ahead. Okay, Ju- you know, just like my other list, Mister Beverly Hills, is this the list I have is in no uh, particular order or anything. Okay, okay. just to throw you off. My, <laughs> my number five has to be the match that we watched on WCW Monday Nitro from July 1st, 1996 in the USA Air Arena in Landover, Maryland when my team, the Four Horsemen, defeated your team of Joe Gomez. Oh my team, yeah. Your team of Joe Gomez, the Renegade, and the Rock and Roll Express, baby. Yeah, that's a ridiculous <laughs> Just because... Yeah, just like my, my Jericho match, I had to throw throw in a curveball. But I guess I enjoyed this match. Well, I guess these matches I chose are more matches that I still remember enjoying when I watched it for for the series when we reviewed it. And that match, I still laugh about with the ending of Mongo. <laughs> Throwing in the briefcase a little too late against Renegade. And Renegade Ready <sighs> jumped up midair and kind of did a head dive. At, before the briefcase yes. was thrown in, but just that spot looked ridiculous. I thought the horseman, you know, hid Mongo very well, made him look good when <laughs> a little bit he was in, made Joe Gomez Renegade look good too. That's my number five, Mr. Beverly Hills. <laughs> Fantastic. My number five, I also changed him from what I sent you. 
YouTube series, it's that match of Ricky Steamboat and Greg Valentine. Um, that was, you know, really a great match. Uh, it had, you know, the story of Ricky Steamboat fighting back and eventually coming for the win. Um, it had your guy Jimmy at ringside. Uh, yeah, so that's my number five. My number four has to be Rick Flair and Arn Anderson defeating The Rock and Roll Express. Woo! On WCW <laughs> Nitro on June 3rd, 1996 in Asheville Civic Center in Asheville, North Kakalaki. Just, you know, during their series in six weeks in WCW Nitro, it was a combination of Double A and Flair or Double A and Anderson taking on the Rock and Roll Express. And yep. like those matches were probably some of the best, if not the best, tag matches that we saw during our few weeks in WCW in 96. Mm-hmm. And even in 96, Rock and Roll Express still had it for the most part and still able to make their opponents look good. And with Flair and Anderson still yeah. pulling out good matches in 96. Fuck, that was a fun, good four-way mix of top guys in their peak of their careers still able to pull out awesome matches. Right on. Well, my number four also features Ric Flair. Uh, it is Ric Flair and uh, Macho Man Randy Savage from uh, WrestleMania 8 in Hoosome. I watched it too when I was watching just uh, all the pay-per-views from 90 to I got to 95. And uh, so, yeah, it was definitely the highlight of that, so... My number three, Mr. Beverly Hills, has to be from the Summit in Houston, Texas. On January 9th, 1995, Monday Night Raw, when Owen Hart defeated Intercontinental Champion Razor Ramon by disqualification. Okay. Uh, I just what I can recall from the match was it was one hell of a match by two great competitors. Uh, so like Raw's in 95, so like they, have, they might have one good match, if not one great match, and the rest of the card was... First jobber matches or throwaway matches. Yeah. And it was great to start out our Rotom WrestleMania 11 series with, I think, one of the first few weeks seeing Owen Hart taking on Razor Ramon and those two having one great match. That was a great match. I, I remember that one. That was really good. Okay. My number three uh, is from Great American 96, and it's uh, Dean Malenko versus Rey Mysterio. Uh, really dug on that match. Um, we kind of got to see Malenko at his best, which is being kind of big guy, uh, beating up on a little guy. Uh, we got to see you know, Mysterio doing his thing, flipping around, looking awesome. So, yes, that's my number, Trace. My number two has half of what half the competitors your number three had. It was, for my number two, it was at WCW Bash at the Beach from July 7th. 1996 <laughs> in the Ocean Center in Daytona Beach when Dean Blanco retained the WCW Cruiserweight title against main event status radio favorite Disco Fever <laughs> Disco Fever Disco Fever yeah 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 when he defeated Disco Inferno like we mentioned during the Great American Bash of the Beach tour Disco always came across like he was a comedy guy Never be taken right. serious and never can have a decent, serious, great match. And Dean Malenko pulled it out of him. Like I said before, I feel like this was a different style of Malenko match. He wasn't the big guy. 
He was more of this, you know, him and Disco were roughly the same on height-wise, size-wise, so Dean had to change up his style, and Falky did a great great mashup of styles with Disco Inferno at the Bash at the Beach in 86. <coughs> yeah, that was good. Bless you. <coughs> Thank you. That was a good match. Okay, number two, uh, I came to uh, from the Between the Sheets podcast. Uh, they did the week of this match, so I decided to look it up, and it's a tremendous match. Uh, best go to three falls, uh, mask versus hair, Los Gringos Locos versus El Hijo Del Santo and Octagon from the When Worlds Collide pay-per-view of 1994. Uh, Eddie Guerrero looking awesome, are looking awesome, uh, just really antagonizing that uh, L.A. crowd and uh, just tremendous match from beginning to end. So that's my number two. I know... I you tease me a lot about listening to a bunch of podcasts, but I do second listening yeah. to Between the Sheets. I want the place to be feed the PWOPTBN, yeah, because yeah. yep. I I would suggest that too. But what Chris Kelder and David Bixen's man? Yep, Chris Zellner yeah. and uh, just want to make sure I you know pronounce Chris Zellner's name correctly. But those two guys <laughs> are great looking at back, back at a uh, you know this week and previous years you know stuff. Great stuff. It's you know like history stuff. Good stuff. This usually runs between three to four hours long once a week. If you guys haven't heard checked out before, try it out. Yeah, yeah, I agree. My number one, Mr. Beverly Hills, shouldn't be much of a surprise. My number one <laughs> ow, is so cute, so sexy. I guess the other guy just is from the pond other side of the pond. Okay. My, my, my number one match has to be Shawn Michaels defeating the British Bulldog. Davy Boy Smith <laughs> on March 6th, 1995 from Macon Coliseum in Macon, Georgia on WWF Monday Night Raw that Michaels had, you know, was challenged by Bulldog for because Bulldog felt like he cheated, Michaels cheated at 95 Royal Rumble and when he had both feet touched the mat, which only one foot did, so Michaels wanted to fight for his honor against the Bulldog on that Raw <laughs> and that felt like that that Mash took up almost half a raw, which was awesome, and was one of my favorite matches from, if not one of, if not my favorite match from the and from the TV end of the yes. Road to WrestleMania 11 series was yeah my number one Shawn Michaels defeating British Bulldog from Monday Night Raw March 6, 1995. Awesome, and my number one uh, is from my own rewatch series. Uh, it's from WrestleMania 10. And it is the uh, Owen Hart Bret Hart match. Love that match. So Good. we're going to be looking at it again. It's like coming up here. <laughs> it's pro- probably one of the best opening matches in WrestleMania history, if not the best. Yes, I would definitely, definitely agree. So, do you have any uh, final thoughts for the 2015 year interview? It's been a great year. Um, I'm looking forward. To another good one, uh, everything should be fun. And uh, we also get into a plug for the podcast. You guys can listen to us on three different platforms on our website, for one, com. Again, that's com. You guys can listen to us over on SoundCloud. Search us out there in a feed, Radio, or go to our SoundCloud URL, soundcloud.com slash Radio. Again, that's soundcloud.com slash Radio. 
Besides our website, maineventsetis.com, and so besides SoundCloud, Mr. Beverly Hills, how else can the listeners hear us? Well, you can definitely listen to us iTunes if you just search out uh, Main Event Status Radio, and I'd love it if you would um, comment, subs- definitely subscribe, uh, give us some feedback, let us know. Uh, what you uh, like, what you dislike, what you want to hear, um, all of that. We love feedback, so please do that. There you go. Yeah, please subscribe, rate, review us. Let your friends know to check us out. Give us a chance. You know, have one last dance with us. You guys can interact with us on the social media aspects. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash radio, or search us out there, like us there, interact with us, talk to us. Facebook.com slash Minivent Studies Radio. You guys can also uh, hit us up with their saucy attitude on Twitter. <laughs> Mr. Beverly Hills, how can they uh, chat up with you there when you're cruising Sunset Boulevard? Oh, you hear my saucy attitude on Twitter at Beverly Hills MES. And how about you? For me, it's at Dirty Dog MES, and that's dog as in D A W G. Dirty Dog MES. <laughs> yes, sir. He's a good follow, folks. For Mr. Beverly Hills, I'm the Dirty Dog Darcy. Adios, mid Yeah! Hey, Arnold, I understand you're in the WWE 2K16 video game as the Terminator. I think that's great. I think it's swell. I think everybody's going to love it. But here's the bottom line. You always say in your little movies, I'll be back. And that sounds all fine and dandy when you say it on a movie set. But when you step into a video game with Stone Cold Steve Austin, you're going to get your ass whipped. I'll be back. No, you won't be back. Because I'm going to light your ass up with a Stone Cold Stunner, drop you on that stack of dimes you call a neck. End of story. Here's the bottom line, Arnold. Hasta la vista, baby. Product not yet ready. Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Texas Rattlesnake, the toughest SOB in WWE's history. I hear that you are the big cover star for the WWE 2K16 and that you have actually issued a challenge to me to Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator. I mean, what's the matter with you? Do you have a tumor or something like that? <laughs> well, Consider this the acceptance of your challenge, Stone Cold. Because when you challenge Arnold Schwarzenegger, you also challenge all of my fans around the world who will be running to pre-order WWE's 2K16 to play as me against you. You see, I've taken on the T-1000s, Predators, Global Criminal Networks, Caped Superheroes, and even the toughest politicians in the world. But what do you see? I'm still standing, you see? I heard that you even tried to take my attorney. (laughs) Very funny. Very shrewd, though. But let's settle this in the 2K ring. Where it counts. You and me. One on one. And let the fans decide. I mean, I eat challenges for breakfast. And right now, I'm very hungry. Hasta la vista, baby.
That's exactly how far you're going to get with it. You know, you're just a bodybuilder. You got big arms, you got a big chest, you got tiny waist, you got small legs, your back's fairly thick, you got decent shoulders, but you're still basically a bodybuilder, not a weightlifter like Ken Patera. And you know what they say about bodybuilders. Bodybuilders are pretty, they're not strong. Tony. What about that, Tony? Well, I really, I, I, I want to thank you, Mr. Patel, for saying that I'm pretty. That's what I want to thank you for. I said your body, not your face.